4: Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network NBA Finals Game 3 post-game podcast. The series has not yet begun because the home team has won every game. Yes, the Bucks take one away from the Suns. Not yet evening out the series, but getting closer. Now down 2-1 after a 120, I believe, 120-100, excuse me, win over the Suns. There's a lot to talk about. There's actually a ton to talk about. We're going to get through all of it. I'm Ty Windish. I'm joined by Rohan Kadi of the Eurostep podcast, Adam McGee of the Win in Six podcast. Before we get to the big topic, the one we have to cover first. You know what I'm gonna ask. Fellas, how's it going?
2: Doing great. Doing absolutely great. fantastic. The city of Milwaukee is absolutely buzzing right now. First uh finals game in Milwaukee since nineteen seventy four. Had to break out the spotted cow post Ooh. game. It just says a Wisconsin classic. It's just it's it's a good it's a good day to follow this Milwaukee Bucks team.
1: I'm gonna say good. I'm gonna hold off on great until Wednesday, and I'm confident that I'll be breaking great out on Wednesday.
2: There we go. Uh not even just
4: Milwaukee. Fireworks going off in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, right after the game ended. I can only assume because of the Bucks. So all of Wisconsin is leading into the celebration.
1: People have taken to the streets in Arnolds. They're all they're all chanting go <laughs> bucks. I can hear them. <laughs>
4: um you know, the Bucks wear green. I feel like it's a it's a pretty natural fit. But well no, Irish Rainbow.
2: I was yeah, oh, yeah. I was gonna say plus Pat yeah. Connison, like
4: well, that's why the win in six viewership numbers are so strong over there. They can't resist. Pat needs to
1: commit. Pat needs to commit. That's what I'm gonna say. On that.
4: <laughs> Pat's not the first buck I wanted us to mention on this podcast. We're not putting off Giannis this time. Giannis at two back to back games with at least forty and ten. Finishes with forty one points, thirteen rebounds, six assists, one steal. Shoots sixty percent from the floor. 76.5% from the stripe, which is maybe an even more fun number. Definitely a more fun number than the field goal shooting. There's so much to talk about with Giannis. We're going to dive into it. But for me, seeing these games back to back, it's like there's no more question of what level of player he is. I mean, we had some moments in this very playoff run where we wondered it. There's been pundits screaming from, the rooftops in Bristol and other places that he was not that guy for so long, including after game two somehow, it's over. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Not the series. The series is far from over. The conversation about Giannis, though, I mean, we have the evidence. He is that guy. He is that guy who can carry you to a championship. He's in the process of trying to do it right now. That's just special to see. And that's the kind of thing where this kind of thing, I feel like, until you get to the finals, you don't recognize the importance that game-to-game like, moments can have. We're here now with Giannis, and they, that deserves almost separate recognition from the series itself because obviously it's a really important revelation for the Milwaukee Bucks and just for us who've watched and cheered for Giannis for so long now.
2: It's, we're just witnessing greatness that's it. That's all we have to say. I mean, we'll say more, obviously. But that's what I was leading into. You know, in a mic drop post-game. would be pretty effective, though, if we just be a really cut short the podcast air. People are like, yeah, they've got a point. <laughs> we're, we're witnessing greatness. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode. <laughs> I kid. But that's what I led into with the Game 2 postgame. Even though they had lost the game and there was plenty to dig into, I wanted to start off by talking about Giannis because we just we witnessed one of the greatest finals performances in a single game that we had seen. We were gushing over Giannis being the first player since Michael Jordan to put up 20 and a quarter in a finals game. And what does he do? He comes out there in game four, excuse me, game three, and backs it up with an even equally as dominant performance, even probably more dominant performances we'll get into. 41 points, like you mentioned, Ty, 13 rebounds, six assists, a steal. Just absolutely dominant. He was finding his spots. He was controlling the pace of the game. This is not normal. Like, this is not a normal finals performance. We see, obviously, two teams playing the finals every year. They always have great players. But they've never separated themselves quite like this. This is one of the rare series performances at the highest level that you will ever see in NBA history. Our friends uh, at the Blue Wire Pods Twitter account, at Blue Wire Pods, make sure to give them a follow, have been detailing the, all the historical Significance that Giannis is placing himself into. Let me just let me just get a couple out there. Um, let's see, thirty points, ten rebounds, five assists through three quarters uh, over the last twenty-five NBA Finals. Uh, Michael Jordan, uh, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, uh, Giannis uh You want another one? I'm sure you do. Um, Forty points and ten rebounds in back-to-back NBA Finals games in NBA history, like the entire history of the damn league. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal. LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's reached the mountaintop. He really has. This is just proof, like you were mentioning, Ty, that he is one of the greatest players that this game has ever seen, not just in the league right now, but across time. And we're seeing that play out in front of us, right in front of our eyes. I said in front of us twice, but whatever, (laughs) the point stands.
4: He's unstoppable. Yeah. And this is, I just, I want to let you go at him, but A team with not one, but two supposed Giannis stoppers. And Jay Crowder, the guy who everyone said did it last year, and Aiton, who is supposedly a a beautiful matchup for Giannis defensively.
1: If you ain't got one, you've got none. Maybe that's, you know, this idea that they've got two. Well, when you get to that stage, they're just the bodies to throw at him. And he's now had a lot of looks at those guys. And I think unless you've just got one guy who you're like he's gonna stick to him throughout and he's gonna cause him problems, you're in a tough spot. And does that guy exist? Does that guy exist anymore? I do not know. The books could have left Giannis in for a few more minutes here, and he would have got Kareem's record for most books um all time in a playoff game. Like he was five points off, I believe. That's 46 points. Prediction that's gonna fall before this series is done don't see any issue with it. I think we're looking at 40 plus a night at this point, because as much as a guard driven team, a team with two star guards makes a tough proposition for the books in terms of matchups. The flip side of that is they have absolutely no way to stop Giannis. They just cannot stop him. And I saw the thing I really wanted to see since the series started and that's the Andre and in foul trouble. It's like, yep. I, I see no reason why you can't do that or get him close to that every, every game. And even more importantly, you mightn't have to get him all the way there because we saw how Monty Williams reacted to that. And he didn't just hook him. He left them sitting out for a long time. Even when he took him out, they were down 28 minutes to go in the fourth. He picks up his fifth foul and he takes him out. It's like, leave him in. Let him foul out in a minute. <laughs> What's the matter? Like. You were still trying to win the game. Everyone else wasn't getting hooked at that point. So it's like, maybe leave the guy in. What what are you saving that foul for? So that was an interesting wrinkle. And that comes from Giannis being just so, so aggressive. It's what I really hope to see from him. And all the more impressive because he didn't start that way. He obviously had to come out of the game after three minutes. Looked a bit gassed a little bit unusual, although not something the books fans haven't seen before. Giannis can have those kind of issues early in the game. And he does generally come out of a game pretty quick for his first break before coming back in for longer stints. But with that, and with doing the thing that I'd said on our pregame show, I was hoping he wouldn't do too much of, which is come out passing instead of attacking. Uh, He still just picks it up eventually and scores 41 points in 38 minutes. So it's like, what do you do? What do you say about this guy? It's, it's completely and utterly ridiculous. And just there's, there's no answers for the Sun. And it must be so demoralizing because the amount of times now where he is just like right there for offensive rebounds or he's just grabbing anything that's kind of loose. It's just, it's like all the 50-50 plays with him around the rim that you're like, oh, against every other player in the NBA, if you're the Sun, some of those are going to go your way. They all just end up with Giannis putting the ball in the hoop.
4: He looks better now than he did yeah. in game two, like game three and not like just playing better, but I think physically I thought it, it looked like it was less burdensome for him to do those things in game three. If he's going to continue, I, I had no, I didn't want to have a preconceived notion, right? That he would look better as the series went on. Cause you just don't know. You don't know how the injury is going to affect him. If it continues like this, that's very, very good news for the bucks. Giannis's consistency this postseason and it's funny because he got killed for the one legitimately bad game since the start of the brooklyn series which was the game two since then the only time he has not had times he has not had at least 30 points and 11 rebounds were a blowout win against the hawks where he only played 29 minutes the game he got hurt and his first game back from injury the game one of the finals every other game he's played he's had at least 30 and 11. Every single game, like he rolls out of bed, puts up 30 and 11 in the playoffs. Again, the time when supposedly he's not able to play, (laughs) that's over. It's done. Like like, those those are
2: his season averages. Like, and it just translates now. That's the
4: thing. Like think of the conversation we had with Chris on the last pod, right? Like that's. It's 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 not normal to put up at least your season averages every single yes, game in the playoffs. Exactly, that does not happen. That's not, what's happen. Change. That does that's not what's happen. changed.
2: It's translated. It, he's that's not. He's
4: changed. relentless now. Like he's just like I will not be denied those numbers. That's what you need to be like if you're the best player on a championship team. That's Giannis. Like that's we're here. It's freaking beautiful.
1: He just honed the skills a yeah. bit further as well. What he skills? Has- Well, let me tell you, Ron He had (laughs) a Eurostep in this game, right? Big fans We love that He had one um, to just like dance past Mikhail Bridges And it was so tight Like, you know when a Giannis Eurostep used to be like Really kind of loose and wide And it would be using his length By kind of stretching his arms out Like that
2: dunk on Serge Ibaka
1: Yes, exactly like that And they're the kind of plays that When you get to the playoffs, they actually make it really easy for help to come across because he's making himself a big target. I think with both his spins and his euro steps, you can see something where it's just a little bit tighter now. He has those moves. He can go to them just a little bit faster in the movement, a little bit tighter to his defender, where it's not so easy for help to come across. And someone like Mikhail Bridges, a really, really good defender, is just left to look completely utterly stupid. Like He's not even close to him. He can't get a hand near anything. He's like, wait a minute. He was here one second ago. Now he's gone. Oh, the ball has already gone through the rim. Like, I just don't know what anyone can do about that. And then there is like, this wasn't even his best game for this. He was probably better at it in game two. But like just those one-legged fadeaways and touch shots around the rim, his comfort in going to those, his aggressiveness in going to them, it's a big deal. Even some of his mid-rangers, He's not relying on any of that. He's not overdoing it. But when he needs to go to them, he's stepping in with confidence where you actually look at him now and it's not like, oh, he's terrible at this shot or this isn't the shot. When he steps into those, you're like, well, he's probably going to make it because he's just making most things now. Even he had a tree that kind of went in and out. And it's like, yeah, it came off uh, pretty hard. And that's why it came in and out. But at the same time, it was really close. and now I thought it was going in 100%. Anything he does in the playoffs, you're like, oh, it's probably going to work out, which that's a, that's a big deal. you know. Uh, that's how you might just win a championship.
2: You guys want to know another fun Giannis stat? I do. Uh, this one was pointed out by the legend OGGZ on Twitter. Uh, found it on the ESPN broadcast. Most points in first three c- career finals games, all the time. Uh, Giannis is fourth, 103 points.
4: <laughs> and game one was his first game back from what looked like a catastrophic knee injury. Yeah, I'm actually on one amazed he's four. Do so you have the full list?
2: Yes. Number one is Rick Barry with 122. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, two is Allen Iverson, 106. Uh, hmm. Number three is Willis Reed with 104, and then Giannis with 103. Interesting. Rick Barry built different.
4: Well, it's just known mostly just for being an asshole. He probably just wouldn't pass. That's not a hot take. Like, that's there's a lot of articles about this. Um, Giannis is like. Did you need to
1: sully Rick Barry's name on this episode in particular? You know, 25 I was just giving context with...
4: for why he has the record. Um Giannis you could have made a free throw
1: comment or something. There are other things Rick Barry's known for.
4: Barely five months away from turning twenty seven years old. Giannis is at a coupon. I want to talk about the free throws. That's already no. I, I've said the one thing that I that I have one Rick Barry fact I carry around. I already used it.
2: Um, Why do you carry around Rick Barry facts?
4: One fact. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that people didn't like him. I'm sorry. I've derailed this. Yeah. I. Well, team effort. I'm really trying to push through on Giannis stuff here. Uh, I'm already seeing, I, I think, since either for the series or since game one, he's taken nearly as many or as many free throws as the Suns and, oh, the whistle and everything else. Listen, they're doing it on purpose. Like if you're watching the game. Yeah, they they are like basically take fouling him half the time. Whether it's a shooting foul or not, they're just trying to play the percentages because they know if they don't, it's two points every time. Like this is not we don't have to make this a big discussion. This does not have to be it's going to be but it shouldn't be a long topic. I mean it's it's like Atlanta's take fouls. It's just a silly thing that a team I mean not silly an annoying thing a team is doing to try and grift some sort of a little advantage and the numbers probably work for them it wasn't great in this game where Giannis shoots very well from the free throw line but I just think it's silly to bring up those numbers with no context I mean Devin Booker is out here kicking out turning corners like he's Bryn Forbes of course they're not getting as many free throws as Giannis like Giannis is being purposefully hacked every single time and the Bucks are allergic to falling guys. Like, it makes a ton of sense. I don't think that number is going to change a lot, no matter what the Suns say, because as long as that, unless they change what they want to do, because that's what they've been doing. I mean, they're trying hard to hack Giannis and not let him get clean looks around the basket.
2: And what's I the just
1: saw Yeah, Go on, you've got another stuff. Go I've go got on.
2: another fun Giannis set. <laughs> this one's from StatViews. This one just made me laugh. It's a... Yadis and Thanasis at Teta combined for 41 points in Game 3, the most by a pair of brothers in NBA Finals history. Family. And then it's just Yadis behind uh, in front of Vin Diesel's car. <laughs> it's just, it's incredible.
4: Is this like, what's the fa- very famous Wayne Gretzky stat? Him and his brother have the most points in NHL history or something. No oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, something uh, like
4: I that. think his brother has one or zero points. It's a cool it's like the
2: It's like the Kobe and Kwame Brown thing where they combine oh, yeah. for like 83 points. Yeah. Okay, Adam,
4: go ahead. We're, we're done making weird stat illusions now. I'll i never rule
1: out the possibility that Rohan's going to find more stats.
4: Oh, Rohan. Yeah, I just meant like oh, yeah. uh, pulling in unrelated stats. Rohan will have more stats.
1: I, I don't know what the Suns can complain about with the free throws. One, because they're fouling him. Every time yeah. they're fouling him. Like, there's just... There aren't a whole lot of those that you can look at and be like, that's even a borderline call? They're just fouls.
4: Half the time, a guy is raising his hand, like, Yep, that one was me.
1: But it's also someone who gets to the free throw line at a very high rate all of the time. It's not like a complete outlier. Does he always shoot 17 free throws? No. Does he shoot 17 free throws like from time to time, multiple times in the season? Yeah, for sure. There are nights where he can get to the free throw line that often. It's not completely unprecedented. And if he's playing as aggressively as he is, and you are going to fail him, you know, it's. I I don't. Anyone who does that is going to be clutching at straws. And I'm sure there will be some, but I I don't think there's any real basis. You know, any sons fans who are being serious about it, I don't think there's a complaint about that. You've got to focus on other things. You've got to focus on, okay, Giannis is the best player in the series. What else can we do here? What else is there to. To be got for the Suns, and yeah, if Devin Booker is not playable, I, we'll get into it eventually. I don't know. No, I'm not Rohan. I'm not getting that spicy with take. I'm not saying Devin Booker is not playable for the series. Money not Williams even said that. Not, not even close to that. But I do not understand what anything. the thought ta- process was during the second half of this game. You know, he got the Brook Lopez treatment.
2: Yeah. Just, uh, just a quick thing on the free throws again. Uh, you were mentioning Adam, just like the, uh, shot selection as well. Uh, I have the actual numbers, another stat here. This is from Seth part now on Twitter. Uh, Phoenix attempted 16 shots in the restricted area, uh, all night. Giannis had 12 on his own.
4: (laughs) And that doesn't doesn't count fouls, right? No. Yeah. So he was, I mean, he was down there the whole game. I mean, yeah. Um, it's, how, it's many, silly.
1: how many fell, or how many free throw attempts per game do you think Giannis averaged against the Suns in the regular season? 16. 17. Rowan wins. He's very close. 15.5. So it's like, what can they complain about tonight? He shot 1.5 free throws more than he shot against them in the regular season? It's like, I mean, it's, this is this is what you do when you play him. You can't defend them. You foul
4: them. I mean, like I, some teams I feel like follow him less and just hope the Suns are actively following him to not let him, you know, score otherwise. And it's it backfired in a It's going to backfire. It's going to continue to backfire because the guys who are taking those fouls are guys the Suns cannot afford to sit out. And that's the other part about, you know, sure, is it a good idea on its face to follow Giannis and make him shoot the free throws to score points? Yes, but. You know, it's gotta be Aiton or Crowder really, unless someone is really pulled into the paint. And if they're that far pulled into the paint, and A, if it's a little guy, Giannis probably just gonna make it anyway. And B, your defense is pretty out of whack. If it's Mikael Bridges shoot having the take foul on Giannis, like someone's either really wide open or something's messed up. So it's I mean, it's obviously
1: I I don't think it's strategy though, Ty. Like I I think there's some
4: strategy to it. I think they're being very intentional. Most of them cannot defend him. Well, like, yeah, yeah. We, even when but they try he's... to defend
1: them clean, they're fouling them like I, you because you just can't, as you said, with the guys with, where their rotations are in the front court in particular, you just can't have any kind of strategy that's reliant on fouling them because you don't have the players to execute that. I mean, if there is some sort of concerted effort in that front, the, the Bucs will win this series in six games, you know, like the Suns cannot continue to do that and think that's OK, because regardless of if it's a good Yanis Knight to free throw line or a really, really bad one, they're going to run out of players and they're going to be playing Frank Kaminsky a lot. And guess what? You're going to lose by like 50 points if he's on the floor for any length of time.
4: Yeah, he's terrible. Um, I don't know. I, maybe it's not entirely intentional. I do think, especially if there is a wing player down there with him, the Crowders and Tory Craigs of the world, I think there's a little bit of like, I'm not going to let him go up clean. We can't, it's almost like similar to the visceral reaction to Booker and CP getting Lopez one-on-one in game one of like, even if this is the right idea, it can be hard to look at. It can be hard to look at Giannis just laying the ball in over and over because no one outside of Aiton is nearly big enough to do anything about it. I think it must be pretty hard to not try and do something, even if all you can really do is hack him.
2: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do?
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: It just, it plays against what the sons want to do, right? We talked in the series preview with the timeline guys, we've talked during this series one of the things that the Suns really do well, we even talked at the beginning, beginning of this episode, like you mentioned, Adam, one of the things the Suns like to do is even if Aiton is in foul trouble, like you were talking about, Ty, they can go big while going small, which is what you said earlier, Adam. It's just, it's not big enough, <laughs> realistically. They, they have one big guy, like you just said, Ty. They have one big guy. And even though one of Phoenix's strengths is oh, even if Aiton's not on the floor, we can still destroy you. We can play multiple styles. We can play big. We can play small. If you go away from Aiton, you're playing into the hands of the opposing team's best lineups, best strategies, and best player. It's just We've, we've seen this being untenable throughout this series, and it just came rearing its head for the Suns this game.
1: It's funny how the Hawks was supposed to be the series where it was just like the Hawks were too small. And the Hawks were too small. They did a much much better job. Now they they have more depth. I think that's a key key detail. They have more depth, particularly in the front court. But they found ways to survive. That the Suns are just not showing any evidence they have or will find. Like Jay Crowder, your your point is right, Ty, Where it's like if Jay Crowder and Jay Crowder's got to take some fouls, like. I think Aiton is the the player that would hurt the most by being in foul trouble, but they also couldn't afford games for Jay Crowder's in foul trouble and and doesn't play a whole lot. Same would apply for Mikhail Bridges. Like Those three guys, what they have behind them is such a colossal drop-off. Colossal. Cam Johnson is the only exception I like from a Suns perspective that, well, they didn't do it quite enough, to be honest, that Monty Williams pulled Frank Kaminsky for the stretch where they did find some success and he put Cam Johnson out there. They, they went ultra small. They got away with that because the books aren't quick enough to punish them. But I still think that's their best chance of surviving. And that's one where, you know, if Bud gets his head straight and figures out some really simple things in regard to what's there for them, you know, the food being left on the table in this series even that's not going to work. Like The Suns just are in a no-win spot if there's any kind of foul trouble, any kind of foul trouble on either Crowder, Bridges, or Aiton.
2: Crowder's the only reason this wasn't more of an embarrassing game. The awesome.
4: non-Crowder Suns shot three for 24 from deep. Jay Crowder, six of sense. seven. That is, it that's really is
1: Bucks-like. is
4: super Bucks-like. Except they never have the Crowder guy who's six for seven. That's just the Bucks team is the second one. Um, Didn't I, I the don't Bucks
2: shoot nine of 31 last game.
4: I think so. I don't understand yeah. how Jay Crowder is six of seven from deep. All of his shots were threes. He plays 33 minutes, the Suns lose those minutes by 11. That's just brutal to get the outlier because you know, the everyone knew there was going to be one or two of these Jay Crowder games, and that's that's why he averages. Thirty four percent or whatever the hell from deep, it's like six for seven and then one for four a bunch of times to not even just lose but lose his minutes by double digits in the game where you get the obscene and they weren't like it wasn't a typical Bucks like oh he's wide open in the corner every time like he was getting step backs it was obscene I mean he was like dribbling letting a guy fly past him damn it did the Trey Young shoulder shrug I was like no way and just nailing shots I was like all right it's the Jay Crowder game I guess. To get smoked in his minutes in that game is pretty tough for the Suns, So I thought – honestly, I was like a Bucks pessimist for most of at least the life. first half. Yes, most of at least the first half, and I thought they had an avenue to in the third quarter before it got out of hand for them, really get back in and maybe take control. But, I mean, Booker having the game he did, had, and then Aiden getting in foul trouble and Monty Williams going away from playing him, I thought really enabled the Bucs, even though – Bud trotted out the Teague-Portis-Pat threesome twice, including in the third quarter, the pivotal third quarter. But thankfully, it came against, like, Frank Kaminsky-Tory Craig campaign. It's like, oh, well, okay, if those guys are out there, I still wouldn't like to see the Bucs capitalize more on those minutes, but at least you're not going to bleed points playing three bench guys if the Suns are also trotting out some of these, like, kind of just inexplicable groups. Jeff I Teague was mention. a plus nine. Yeah. Jeff Teague always ends up being a plus something.
2: He's good yeah, at but, that. Ty, you were mentioning Jay Crowder getting demolished or like the team getting demolished in Jay Crowder in minutes. That's because he's a negative on the defensive end now. And that's not through any fault of his own, realistically.
4: I don't know if he's a negative.
2: He's not a positive. I'll say that.
4: Is that not just because he's against
1: Giannis?
2: Yeah. yeah. I gonna,
1: well, I mean, like I think he's as positive as it gets for the Suns.
2: But that's still not a positive.
1: Well, it is in comparison to what will happen if someone else ends up having to, like, take an eight-minute stretch Trevor a... it's a
2: It's a relative positive. It's not an actual positive.
1: I, yeah, but he's close. I think that's that's being a little harsh on him. Like, I don't think he's ever been the NBA's best defender just in kind of in a vacuum when you look no, at what like he is. He, we but he's it a very season. good he's a very good Giannis defender and that means absolutely nothing now but
4: it's, he's not it's hampering Giannis from scoring it's PJ Tucker against LeBron when he was on the Raptors that's against Durant. also that yeah that too
2: that's giving Jay Crowder a lot of credit yeah and
1: this uh, I don't know I think relative to how most players hold up. Don't, 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 take
4: it, don't take it relatively. I think I think that is giving him too much credit against Durant. You've
1: got to take it relatively. I mean, PJ is the same.
4: No, I think PJ gave Durant more problems than Tucker is giving Giannis. Then is giving, giving Giannis. Oh, yeah, sorry. Crowder is giving Giannis.
1: Tucker may occasionally be giving Giannis more problems than Crowder. <laughs> it's a space like um yeah
4: yeah look i i just
1: i think he's as good as it gets for them and i think he's like it's still not, not good he's not way down in the league but there is no good so that's like uh, if we're naming the list of who
2: i'm not naming it, i'm just saying no straight but just positive na-
1: <laughs> but every single basketball player in the world may be a negative What points
2: that's fine that's still a negative
1: all right, I, I don't yeah. know how we frame books conversations from now on. It's just that it is. It's a good problem to have, but if it's just like every defender ever on the is a negative,
4: I think Rohan. Let's to put it clearer. He's not being overtly helpful on yes, defense. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Sure. That's it.
2: That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm not no, I'm just
1: I it's about that's about Giannis though, is all I'm countering with. That's all. That's,
4: yeah, I do think I, I, I do think them getting killed in the Crowder minutes has more to do with the Suns as a whole in this game than it does with Crowder. But I do I also agree, Rohan, that he's not like that guy being out there, it doesn't matter that much to Giannis anymore. Yeah, I don't know if exactly. any assignment does. Does
1: anyone have an answer? Though? This is. I was just generally curious. Like, do we have a name now for who does matter? If his leg Anthony exists, Oliver.
4: Kawhi. I think Kawhi still matters. If his been leg, a while, I mean, he's been he, a while since we he him. disappeared from the playoffs, and we have never heard more. So who knows? But I think no, that's weird. Yeah, no one talks about it, Clippers. But uh, I think healthy Kawhi is still. I'd be interested to see over a playoff series. I think Anthony Davis could be an issue I can't as well. believe I
2: got away with saying Anthony Toliver.
4: He had some good run. I thought Blake did pretty well, all things considered.
2: Yeah, Blake, but
1: Blake shows the same thing that Crowder does, which is, you know, it's strength. Strength is yeah. the – it's like you can't – It hope. used to be enough, but it's no longer enough. Exactly. Well, it's because Giannis is stronger than everyone. But yeah. it's just you can't rely on that alone, but you need a really – really kind of strong base to have any chance of competing. And Crowder's got that.
4: I want to talk about the Drew game. Drew Holiday coming through at home. There's again this this Four still players was, at home. Yep. I was still a bit of a Bucks pessimist in the third quarter. I thought, and we're gonna get into the Lopez thing. And I thought not I thought not playing Lopez and rolling with Portis for extended stretches was a dangerous playing with fire decision, especially I think in that quarter it was Lopez. Maybe that was second quarter, not third. I don't know. But there were times when like no Lopez, no Giannis, or just no Lopez for extended stretches. And Drew just goes ballistic and just starts burying three after three after three, ends up shooting five for 10 from deep on the hole, 21 points, nine assists, five rebounds, one steal, one block. Hard to argue defensively maybe as good considering book was his primary cover Devin Booker held to three of 14 shooting in this game gets to the foul line five times and inexplicably just doesn't play again after some point in the third quarter for reasons I don't know if we've had any quotes on that from Monty Williams yet but I think it's a DNP bad I, I that, if it is that's credit to Drew Holiday so Brought it on both ends. We saw the performance. Sorry, that's, we wanted that's, to that's see.
2: That's disrespectful. I take that
4: back. Yeah, be Devin very careful. Devin is very
2: good. Be very <laughs> careful. This I is take why that I
1: was cautious <laughs> later as well. I don't want to say anything that I'll come to regret.
4: But the Drew game. He, he showed up. It was here. It was not sustainable. I'm a little worried about all the threes. But I do think he wasn't taking 10 until he got hot. I, I am going to choose to think that at least. And the way he was shooting, it was hard to argue with his shot selection.
2: Let me walk you through a stretch here in the third quarter when the uh, Suns were starting to get closer in this game. So uh, the Suns had cut it to six points on a Cam Johnson cut off a Chris Paul layup with six and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Drew comes back. It's a three, nine-point game. Suns cut it down to four, again, off a of Cam Johnson three, who was also going ballistic. Drew Holiday step back three. And then the Suns, again, try to cut it back to six. Drew Holiday 3. The Suns were putting on the best comeback effort that they possibly could, and they were almost there. Like I mentioned, they were within four points with less than five and a half minutes to go in that third quarter. Drew Holiday kept them in that game. He kept the lead that Milwaukee would never give up because it felt like a massive, massive Suns run was coming. It felt like, oh, boy, here come the Suns. They're going to take the lead. Is Milwaukee, how are they going to respond? Is their offense going to be in the mud? No, Drew Holiday is coming out there. Again, Ty, it's a little weary because the threes might be a little unsustainable. But they were falling, and they got what they needed. Like He kept them in the lead. Like I just mentioned, it's it does worry me a lot. It does worry me a lot. That's unsustainable. But in this game, when he needed to hit those shots, he did.
1: I'm worried. Honestly, I am. Like, Ty, I agree with everything you said. That's That stretch in particular where he came up and he made those shots is crucial to the Bucks coming out of a win. The fact that it was a comfortable win after they blew their lead is incredible. And he played a massive part in that. But he attempted four shots from inside the arc. That's not good. That's That just can't be how he's approaching these games. That's a problem for the books because he is not this shooter. It's something we've talked about quite a lot in the playoffs. He's capable of having these games, but he is not going to have them all the time as we're all too aware. So I would have liked to see him just attacking a little bit more. It doesn't change the value of his shots and the fact that he came up really big, but if we're kind of looking forward to what the books are going to need from over the rest of the series. We can't expect multiple more five of ten games for three point range. He's going to have to go and get some easy points inside. The other thing I'll say with that is it's a good job he was making those shots because the Suns got back into the game by the books going through that stretch when Phoenix had no big on the floor, they had no big that they could play. And what did the books do? The books started settling for three point shots. And it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just attack. There is no one there. Attack. It's what you're best at. It's what they have no resistance to. And it was during that quarter that it started to become a little bit of, you know, settling for jumpers. And unsurprisingly, the Suns did cut into the lead and cut into it really, really rapidly. A little concerned. Like, all credit to him. It's not taking anything away from just how good he was to get the books there. But going forward... I guess we'll just go with, you know, if it's a night where he doesn't have those three pointers, he's going to attack. But that's kind of going against some of the better judgment based on what we've seen from game one and game two. It may just be like home game. Here he is. Like I, I did make the joke, you know, role player at home, but you can look up and down the books box score and you can see some evidence of it. You can see Bobby Portis being like playable in this game and having an impact. This was always going to be a spot for him. It's a home with everyone chanting his name. And guess what? It worked out. There may be some of that too for Drew Holiday, and that's just going to be crucial. His decision making has to be the best it can be, and up until this point in the series, it hasn't been. Hopefully, his confidence just soars because of this shooting. Yes, that's but well it doesn't. I it doesn't mean he just settles for shots. Don't just get confident in your jump shot; get confident overall.
4: Exactly. I have a stat on his cover, uh, Devin Booker, who. You guys are hesitant to slander. I'm not even slandering. But it is worth noting, this is the 10th game this postseason where Booker shot 42% or worse from the field. That's 52% of his games in this playoff run. Is 10 of 19 games he's been that. The Suns are now 5-5 five and five when Booker is f- worse than 42% from the field. They're 9-0. and o. They're 9-0 and o when he's better. From than 42% from the field. This is also now that this is the second game against the Bucks. He's been below that mark. The only series he didn't have at least two games below that mark was Denver, who had literally no guards left on the roster. So I think kind the of- Austin
2: Rivers slander will not be tolerated. Ty. Would
4: have loved to have him. Oh, well. Um, I do think that's kind of a key to this series, though, is like you need to take advantage when Book is out because it seems like the Suns just roll when he's on. So going through something right now. I mean, that was weird to see him just not play. Like, it, I don't think that's good for the Suns in this series. Like, I don't think that helps a guy get out of something. Like, rather just have him out there and maybe he gets hot and it probably doesn't swing the game, but it might help more in Game Four something than to take it to Game Four. Well, all except. these, all these videos of him sitting on the bench watching. But you know, Drew needs to continue to continue to do work there. It's very positive for the Bucks that two out of the three games. Booker's been below that 42% mark from the field. Suns are toss up games for them when they're in that range. When he's on fire, they're just not, they've not lost so far. And maybe the Bucs could change that. All these sample sizes are very small, but it is just interesting to see that, you know, he's been, teams have held him in check a little bit. It hasn't always killed the Suns. They're, They're good, they have other things, but it is doable. And I think if Drew can continue to do that more often than not, it's going to pave the way to the Bucks winning the series.
1: Something big on that is that Chris defended Chris Paul a lot more tonight. Did so very well. Great contests. Chris Paul was making just absolutely insane shots. It's like Kevin Durant flashbacks in terms of shot making. Yeah. It's like... A, I just I look forward to hopefully as NBA champions with the next time the books can be in a playoff series with like normal human beings again <laughs> instead of these kind of players. It's just, it's insane. Because as much as you could be like, oh, you know, you get this point in the playoffs, these are the guys you face. No, not really. Not always. Like there's only so many of these, even among the best players in the NBA. And what Chris Paul and Kevin Durant can do is, is a completely different level. But Chris really held his own against Chris Paul. And that's what allowed Drew to take more minutes on Devin Booker and to send Devin Booker to the bench. It would be a very big deal. I just, I don't see how that's going to continue. Whatever tall experiments, Monty Williams was running with there. Like they can't do it ever again. Like it's, he's going to play no matter how bad
2: he should try it more.
4: I
1: maybe I I don't
2: disagree, but (laughs) I just give CP his rest. He's old. Come on. Do you know what
4: the what, what, what I think is really interesting with Paul and what I think the Bucs can use to their advantage as long as it holds up is I think they're more comfortable navigating actions with him now, knowing he's just not going to shoot many threes. He has shot or made zero threes in seven different games this postseason. He was one of four tonight, and that's games he's played. He missed two games. I'm not counting those. Seven times he made zero threes. He's made more than two in the playoffs three times. Two he's of just, them against it's the Bucks. Not his game. Two of them against the Bucks. But
2: yeah, when he's, he's not in the playoffs. It's, he's and he's operating in the pick and roll. He's not a pull up three point shooter. That's just not what he most, does.
4: I would say most of his threes have been catch and shoot. Like he's off ball and Booker and the Bucks help one pass away. They need to just never do that. Like n- always make the guy Booker or CP make them hit a pull up three. Booker's yeah. going to hit some because he's just a streaky shooter, but percentage-wise, neither of them are going to kill you on pull-up threes over the course of a series, not like they will on catch-and-shoot. And And if you know, hey, we're going to make CP shoot threes, we know he doesn't really want to do this. He'd much rather pound the air out of the ball for 15 seconds and then do whatever he does. I do think it makes it a little bit easier to play defense knowing like there's just less you have to worry about. Like The thing about Durant is – it's like anything. He'll do anything. He'll do whatever he wants to do. But it's he can't going any, any over thing.
2: versus under a screen, and that's what Milwaukee's figured out. They have figured out that they can go under Chris Paul screens, especially high actions, and they can just recover because he's not going to beat you with quickness. They can just recover because it's a straight line for them, and a straight line is, you know, the quickest uh, distance between two points. Chris Paul is going to want to snake around and if you can just get a straight line lateral movement we saw that a lot with Drew Holiday in game two and even with Chris Middleton in this game if you just dart under the screen and meet him at his point on the other side nothing was accomplished on the offensive end with that screen and that's sort of taken away a lot of actions in the pick and roll with Chris Paul but given he is making shots at a ridiculous rate it's just it's it's incredible that uh that little step back he had on Giannis where he tried to have dribble moves and he didn't really use, lose Giannis, but Giannis recovered, had a great contest, and Chris Paul, all six feet of Chris Paul just fades away, hits an insanely beautiful shot over him. Can't do much about that. There's not much defense you can play on that, and Giannis tried his absolute best, but you st- there's just some shots you can't really defend, but in terms of actual pull-up mid-range shooting, the Bucks have done a masterful job of navigating these pick and rolls better, especially since they sort of went away from switching one through five and sort of switching one through four and letting uh, whoever it is, whether it's Portis or Brook, drop, whoever it's at times that they don't want to switch. They're just going under the screens, and that's just a subtle adjustment that was there and they made, and it's paid dividends.
1: You know what else takes away Chris Paul pick and roll actions? getting Aiton in foul trouble yeah like this is this is a big deal and this is something that I don't know should have been obvious to me and everyone at the start of the series but for obvious reasons really clicked in this game if you can nullify one of those guys and I know which one is easier to nullify you're gonna kind of take the two of them away because if Chris Paul has a great game DeAndre Aiton is likely gonna have a great game vice versa you know it's that's something where if you take that away, particularly with just the lack of bigs on this Phoenix roster, Chris Paul doesn't have a dance partner. And it, it gets a lot more difficult for him, particularly at his size, with that reluctance. He doesn't want to have to be relying on three-pointers. He doesn't want to be shooting that all the time. Like if you can take the impact Aiton has away from this, you're also really gonna hurt what Chris Paul is doing. And that is just massive. That's a way where it's like if you could Repeatedly attack Aiton and make it difficult for aiden and you don't, you won't always get him in foul trouble. So, make it difficult and wear on him is really all I could say. He's playing a lot of minutes. He obviously didn't tonight, <laughs> but he has up until this point in the series. Make him feel those minutes and see if you could take anything away from the pick and roll with him and Chris Paul. You're not just, you know, limiting what Aiton is doing to hurt you, but you're doing that with Chris Paul as well, and that's just such a big deal that that particular combination they're so closely tied with how they both want to play that if the books can do anything to disrupt that as they did tonight you see what happens like that's you can get a, a blowout win without even playing a perfect game and that is a really big thing for the books this game was far from perfect they won by 20 points
2: i know uh it, it definitely was something that didn't click for me for this game until this game uh, for Aiton being in foul trouble. I know Mike and Sam on our uh, preview pod with the guys over at the Timeline, they were, they were like, if Aton's is in foul trouble, that's the avenue for Milwaukee to really, really get a stranglehold on this series and win this series. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure, that makes sense. But Adam, you bring up a great point. It takes Chris Paul out of the equation as well. We saw that in full force tonight because who, who else is going to run those pick and rolls with them? Like We saw Frank Kaminsky the funny thing is
4: CP had Frank the tank shooting three for five from the field in pretty scant minutes but the issue is they were
2: trapping though the issue is it's
4: not as effective he can still score some but with running with CP the issue is really on the other end where Aiden is a very good defender they can't play Kaminsky enough to keep doing it and when they go small like if you want to run pick and rolls with Tory Craig by all means good luck let go and let God if if that's the, the strategy.
1: Oh, and remember on our uh our pregame show on YouTube, one of the listeners suggested that you should play 48 minutes tonight. And I I was against the idea. I didn't think this was optimal for the books. If Frank Kaminsky's out there, I think you get some minutes.
2: <laughs> hey, listen, i How's mentioned, the jumper?
4: How's the jumper?
2: Hey, I'll tell you what. I was hitting my jumper yesterday when I was playing. Uh, <laughs> like I mentioned on the pregame show, my ten foot runner, absolute catch. Oh, yeah
1: sounds jeff so, teague-ish
2: it, yeah it, i was better that Je- jeff teague couldn't hit a layup to save his life my goodness
1: not, not his but be- not his best game not a good jeff teague game the anti-teague game again he kind of survived which is just his thing he's very books like he's i guess morphing into the books you just can't kill jeff teague he's just <laughs> he's there he's finding a way to contribute to a team in the finals his minutes aren't completely terrible even though his individual play can be terrible in those minutes i don't know how it works i is think it's pulling honestly a trick on all of us i'm cool with whatever is happening that's helping him to help the books to a win though
4: I think a lot of it is he doesn't really get picked on like some of the other bad Bucks defenders. Like I feel like he just holds up defensively. It's kind of like he's guard. competitive. It's the guard version of Pat to me and mm-hmm. where it's like, is he great? No good is almost a stretch, but like. Definitely a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Just, def- just strictly defensively, but like doing enough to where you're not bleeding points in terms of like or thinking about like, you know. Forbes, something of like that in nature. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. He's as long as I mean, I'm worried we're going to get a bad Teague plus minus game at some point. Hopefully we we'll run out of Teague minutes before we get there. But I don't think that's going to happen by game four. I want to talk about Chris before we get to the big Brook Lopez discussion. I thought Chris had an interesting game. I thought he started out very well. I hate that he ended with 14 shots in this game. Uh, 18 points for Chris, seven rebounds, six assists. I think part of it was, you know, Drew and Giannis did so much scoring in the third. I think Chris kind of just let his foot off the gas. But, you know, we talked about after game three or game two, like he just needs to be more aggressive than that. I still think he needs to be a lot more
2: aggressive than he was in this game. I mean, he had three points in the second half.
4: Yeah, that's not great. I mean, again, they won comfortably. I think that does change it. I think Chris is one of the more willing players to just take a step back when things are going well and not put even in that third quarter, but yes, he should do more
2: a little bit. He's just not touching
1: the ball enough is honestly what I'd say. Like it's, it's not even about what is he, he just wasn't getting enough touches where it's like, get yourself involved, make some passes, make some plays. You can do it because there were certainly times where players that were not Giannis are true. We're, you know, trying to do some stuff. We were just talking Jeff Teague. That Jeff Teague-Bobby Portis combo that ended up in a turnover where Giannis and Chris were on the other side of the floor is just, like, all-time That
2: was one of the greatest Bucks moments in history. Just the absolute greatest in terms of pure entertainment value. Because, my goodness, they tried, They saw that Bobby Portis was being denied by Tory Craig. <laughs> They were like, no, 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 no. We are not swinging this ball to the weak side where Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton are. No, we are getting that ball back to the strong side, and we are throwing that entry pass to Bobby Portis. A couple (laughs) of heat
1: check (laughs) moments, though. Bobby had one earlier as well. Remember Bobby decided to put the ball on the floor and was like, oh, I'm going to be Giannis here? It's just like, no, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep tidying up and, you know. They'll drop off some passes and you just go up and dunk it kind of thing. But, yeah, there's a Here's, here's the stat rejects. to
4: crystallize the point you're making, Adam. Ah, crystallize. 30- ah, there we go. Uh, in 32 combined minutes, Portis and Teague attempted 15 shots. In 41 minutes, Chris Middleton attempted 14 shots. That's terrible that's objectively terrible. And it wasn't like you were just saying, it wasn't like those were all, you know, the good players opened up looks for those guys and they shot those guys were just like going out there and saying, Hey, it's Jeff Teague slash Bobby Porter's time. Sometimes jointly, it's gotta be Chris Middleton time more often. That's like one of the more, probably the second most worrying trend wise thing about this, but hopefully it just is going to lead us to even more positive variants, Chris, for the rest of the series.
1: Tanasa Santacumpo had 14% as many shots as Chris Middleton in 5% of his
2: minutes.
4: <laughs> put that out there.
2: That is incredible.
4: OTA. A lot of TA minutes, but only because of garbage time. Oh, wow. He's one he of the realists out there. <laughs> That's a lot for him. That's like eight times his normal minute. A lot. I know we
1: count his minutes and seconds. They should have yeah. another column on the box score. It just for
4: seconds. They only use <laughs> it for tenasis. Um Forbes only plays four minutes and 13 seconds. I think we're finally seeing the no more Forbes <laughs> that we've been play. asking for. When he missed the wide-open corner three, catch and shoot, I was like, all right, pal. If you're not making that one, then what is the You're point? not that guy, pal. You're not the straight-on one, though, is kind
2: of
1: his shot. And, it, and that he was like strong too. arms to the extreme. So it's just He's like, pressing.
4: He's definitely pressing. I mean, I get it. agent, potentially, are maybe it. not.
2: <laughs> this guy has lost so much money. Yeah. Sports. I feel bad.
1: He's a <laughs> player option, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's going to happen
4: with
2: that. I don't know.
4: Hey, I mean, I he'll be helpful the next regular season. Mm-hmm. That's a problem for another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about – let's do the Brook Lopez thing. Yeah, 20, so – 21 minutes for Brook in this game. Go ahead, Rohan.
2: No, it's just – I feel like I might be uh, – I don't know. People might not agree with what I'm – want to say here but I'm not entirely mad at it in stretches in stretches so when the Suns went ultra small and put Cam Johnson in when DeAndre Ayton was in foul trouble I think it's okay to not play Brooke Lopez in that in that situation it's it's Adam you're giving me a, a, a rough face here but we're gonna fight no it's <laughs> I understand. I under right like I understand that he sh- probably should play, but I also see the like why there's a route to not playing him because you could see that the Suns were actively trying to just get as much space on offense as possible, and that's what allowed Jay Crowder to hit those weird, wild step back sidestep threes. Is because every single inch that the Bucks collapsed they took advantage of and if the suns are hot from three or jay crowder is hot from three in that stretch even if the bucks uh who could not figure out his zone defense with like five small guys out there for some reason even if brooke lopez was out there i don't think they're getting them the ball in that instance like they weren't getting Giannis the ball in that instance so i don't know if you're going to get like a positive offensive contribution even though you theoretically should i don't know if they would have gotten it because even if he's out there, who's to say that they would have made the right decision in those instances? I, I think
1: that's fair because they weren't making the right decision when he was out there tonight anyway. He was he was spending way too much time out on the perimeter, and you're like, just get him inside. Look at the players he's playing against. Get him inside. And when he did get inside, particularly earlier in the game, you're like, oh look, look how easy this is. Look how quickly good things happen when he's in there. My counter to That stretch is, I think it was the first play back in the game. The Suns are still small, and it's like he comes up with a big block because right away they're like, oh, yeah, we've just had kind of basically the freedom of the court. We have the freedom to shoot trees with the freedom to go to the rim. The books are just giving everything up. And also importantly, in that stretch where the Suns found life, that Cam Johnson, did he have two? No, he only had one offensive rebound, but I remember one pretty egregious one in that spell where it's like okay the books have no one out there I think Bobby was out there at the time either although there was a spell in the first half where Bobby was out there and Giannis was still at the five and Giannis was still the guy under the rim in terms of rebounding position I was like get Bobby over there Bobby was like guarding Tory Craig
4: do you remember this spell that's like the books yeah. weren't getting rebounds Bud, like, Bud's been stashing Lopez and Portis on Craig
1: Gotta get Bobby. If he's out there, and particularly if Brook isn't, Like the books have struggled with their rebounding those lineups. Get Bobby closer to the rim. Get Bobby crashing the boards. He's going to bring the energy, so you might as well channel it in that way. I just think there's so many, like we talked about the margins, Brook just gives you so many little things in so many different categories. It's not like you come in, you're just like, Brook Lopez turns the game because he's going to just go off offensively you're right to say you can't necessarily trust the books to go to him in the way they should, but it's all of the little things. It's if he gets four points and he's also coming up with a block and then that block is the tearing more drives. And all of a sudden you have a greater threat, in the offensive glass, you're boxing out better on the defensive glass. It just makes you a better team. It just completely changes the complexion of your minutes. And the fact that we're saying, Oh, you know, 21 minutes for Brooke Lopez It was 15 minutes up until like the seven-minute mark of the fourth quarter when he was brought back in. And some of that was basically garbage time then. That's not even telling the story. He actually played less than the first two games where we already had a problem with it. Like The Bucks won by 20 points. Great. I do not think what they did tonight is entirely sustainable. And the good news is there are still easy routes to more success for them. But just like it was before this game, trusting Brooke Moore is going to be that. Have we got a running... So he was minus one in the last game, plus six in this one, plus three
4: in the first game? Something Uh, like that? I think so.
1: Like, okay, like there were multiple books who came in. Bobby plus 19, Giannis plus 20, Drew plus 22 today. Plus eight for the series, having never been worse than a minus one you know, it's not telling the whole story. It's messy. It's noisy. It's game to game. But when in every game, your individual plus minus is not going to be, you know, any worse than negative one. So far, he
0: If it's Martin not Brooklyn telling was, you. It was, he was minus, minus 17, 17 in, game, in
4: one. game one.
1: Oh, I forgot about that.
4: Yeah. The third oh, quarter that, when they dropped.
1: Okay. Well, forget everything. <laughs> I just said that I should, I, this Jordan and I had the same conversation. I, forgot about that the other day as well
4: um yeah i've lost it was a great point it was a great point for a while it was until it wasn't i think i'm coming in kind of in the middle here i'm speaking of jordan Um, uh yeah like i do think they need to play him more the same point as before like they don't have enough guys to not play him and i think Given the way the Suns are constructed, I just feel like there's always going to be a place you can stash him. I mean, Ayton, obviously, Kaminsky, obviously. Bud likes putting him on Tory Craig. I think if you can just kind of ignore him as well. And he's just good. They have tapped into some stuff with the switching, and it has ground down the Suns offense a bit. And I think a lot of that is and I think this can apply when Lopez is out there too, but the the Bucks are just like refusing to let Phoenix get the matchups they want on that end, and that's that's everything, right? Like they're making Phoenix, namely Booker and CP, like okay, you're gonna beat Middleton or Tucker or Drew if you're gonna do something. Like we're not gonna let you, you know, get Bobby whenever you want, get Brooke, whenever you want. And again, I think they can do some of that stuff with those guys on too better, but. It's a little hard to argue with results. And I do think Bobby's plus minus is in this game. I'm sure people will use it. They were really good with him on the floor. Wasn't necessarily his best game. And every time he traps, I'm still fearful of like all the shots that it opens up. They I think trap they,
1: a ton when he's out there too. They're just not trusting him in either of ter- yeah. their kind of base games at this point.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, again, it's that's the way. If you do that, then... It pretty much guarantees you're not going to have him one on one against those guys, right? Like trap until you make sure the other, the more capable defender is out there, and then basically run back to the paint and then let whoever's in there swing out to the shooter. Honestly, I don't hate it that much as a strategy, though, just because again, you're going to make the Michael Bridges' of the world and Crowders beat you, and you know I think it's
2: the bridge eye.
4: Sure, um, Crowder. And again, both of those guys have had great games. Bridges kind of did beat them in game two. But if you're frustrating the two best guys in the process, it might be worth it. I think there's more room for Bobby than we thought, but I think there also has to be more room for Lopez than we've seen.
1: Now, I'm going to dig my heels in on Bobby. I think there's plenty of room for Bobby in home games. And overall, for anyone getting too carried away, I'd say, well, let's just wait and see what happens when they go back to Phoenix. And... We don't know yet. We've got to see how game four plays out. There is just the kind of not insignificant matter of, you know, is this just a once-off game or have the Bucs found something where they're going to be able to break this open and build up a lead and kind of run away from the Suns? Like when that kind of thing happens, Bobby is perfect because he's just going to add fuel to the fire. He's going to bring more momentum. And when a game opens up, one when you can get out in transition, like the absolutely beautiful, like one of the best books, fast breaks, not just ending in some sort of incredible honest dunk, just in terms of absolutely silky smooth. Like that's they just didn't have avenues to do that in game one and two. And you get there in this game, and yeah, if that's happening, it's a Bobby Portis game. There's room for him in the game. It's dicey with his with his defense, though. You're right on the trapping, you can kind of live with it until you can't. But it's entirely possible.
4: that's the thing. Well,
1: if you had say if it was you mentioned Bridges, but if Mikhail Bridges was like having a tree of five three point shooting night tonight, and you've got Crowder out there as well, suddenly that becomes a problem. Yeah. Because you're you're playing to the open trees. I don't even think that was always the case at previous games, this series, when when that happened in game two, most notably. But if you're having Bobby out there kind of pretty reliably for extended minutes, you're doing that. I think the more you're leaning into that, the more the Suns are going to lean into exposing that and figure that out. Like, you can't show Chris Paul a guy who's going to trap him over and over again and expect that not to be picked apart, honestly, by next game. Like, I'd like to see Bobby put a couple of games he together. He picked it apart this game. He did pick it apart this game. That's true. Like, I'm very happy that the books got a positive contribution from him because they need all they can get, but it does still feel like the home games are going to be his spot in this series. And you know what? That's perfect. If Bobby Porras can help the books win three home games, they might win a championship, but it's more generally it's tough. And honestly, I don't think Bud trusts either Bobby or Brooke. And that's my bigger concern when you see some of the rebounding. It's the stretches where it's without both of those guys because so much of the regular season, even a game like this where you've got Bobby playing well, you know, Bobby's not a center. He's not really a center. So you could go to what's like a small ball lineup, have him out there and still have some size, still have some rebounding. Going away from that is is different. It's different for the books. It's putting something that books fans have wanted for years, which is Giannis kind of, at the five where you hope you can weaponize him but we're seeing some deficiencies and rebounding is kind of chief among those
4: i do think if Giannis continues to look more spry as we go those lineups they're still going to not clearly not be as good at rebounding i do think if he's got a little more bounce if pat's assuming pat's also out there tucker and it's the big – honestly, the swing factor and the rebounding of the – I mean, I'll tell you Giannis, who's the first one. If he's going to box out and go for boards, it changes a lot. But like Chris playing like he's 6'8", which we've seen at times in his playoffs, they're not all that small when they go Giannis no, in a 5, right? Like n- not at all. And the, and the guys who are little are very strong and great rebounders. They just need to commit to it and be better. I mean, I thought – The only
1: problem, Ty, is the boxing out. It's like if PJ Tucker could take control and be like, I'm going to focus on boxing out so Giannis can go. Like, that is the problem. It's They're missing quite literally what Brooke does so Giannis can go and clean up. Like, if someone else can offer that so Giannis can just go and grab the board rather than fight for position there's then no problem with those lineups. It's just not something he's looked remotely comfortable with. Well, the issue is... Like, the only thing.
4: Giannis is the only guy who's going to be down there, though, right? Yes. Positionally, where everyone else guards, there won't be. So it has to be him. And, you know, you can take worse bets than betting on Giannis to do something that he needs to do to win games. So I kind of get it. I I do think we need more Brook. I don't hate kind of being reactive game to game. I mean, I thought this was a good Brook game, but they went on a huge run without him. You know, you unnecessarily insert him in, maybe it doesn't go all that well. So, But I, I am with you, Adam, in that 21 minutes and 15 real minutes for Lopez feels too little just with how good he's been and how much he's proved. But it's going to be interesting. Game four I feel like is going to be fascinating for a lot of reasons.
1: My my one question I'd pose about you on that is: Let's say Drew Holiday isn't having a completely lights out three point game. Can the books survive that stretch without Bobby or Brooke, like
4: they actually did for a while? Not taking I mean, the they, shots they took.
2: Go ahead. If Robert. they actually gave the ball to Giannis, out would help.
1: I just think like if if they're gonna and if it happens again, getting eight and off the floor is just a game changer. You've got to punish them. You've got to tear them apart. It's like there should be no surviving because they don't have the players to survive when that happens. And my issue with that in this occasion is something we've talked about before. It's like the Bucs get Aiton off the floor. They get Aiton in foul trouble. And what's their reaction? Their reaction is to match up with what the Suns have had to go to, not be like, how can we expose what the Suns have left? It's like, oh, the Suns have gone small because they don't have Aiton. Bobby, you're out of the game. Brooke, you're out of the game. We're matching up. It's like, why are you playing on the back foot? Give yourself a chance to, particularly as you had a lead at that point as well, the lead evaporated, but you have a lead. Actually try to go with size and be like, this is what they don't have. We're going to take the initiative and show them something that they just cannot counter without putting that guy back in the game. That's, that's my concern with that is it's just playing on the back foot. It's like, no, no, you force him off the floor Go and get them. Go and get them. I wanted to see Frank Kaminsky, like, humiliated, in tears on the floor. They didn't go far enough. They did not go far enough. I I agree. I agree. He was a 11 in five minutes for the first spell he was in the game. And I was like, you know, it's pretty good, but it could be more. It could be more. And next time he's in the game, I want to see it be more.
4: He's got to be picking up, like, a foul per minute because Bucks are just, like, getting in his face and dunking, basically. Like, I do agree with that. They settled for way too many shots. That's not – that maybe doesn't change if Brook is out there, though. I mean, I think that's just a mentality thing for the team that they don't do enough generally. Um, but – I, I think it's a good point. I think that I, I don't know how many times I can say it. They just need him. They just need him. I'm, them I'm tired of saying it. I think built. people
1: probably think I'm a crazy person at this point because it keeps coming up. But there aren't a whole lot of other things you can look to for the books and be like, Maybe you like the big guys. That's true. I'm on the record. This is my brand. <laughs> people should expect it. But it's also, you're just like, what's out there for them to get? What are they not taking advantage of? And it's very clear to see, given the matchup, and they're, they're not doing great with it. And that applies to Bobby, too. Like, that applies to Bobby. When you get a good Bobby game, I think there were parts of, you know, his size that they didn't take full advantage of, that they didn't lean into when the Suns were most vulnerable. They decided to play the Suns at their own game, which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Those guys are off the floor, and you're like, yeah, how about we play Chris Paul, like, kind of... On his terms, oh, they're going with Cam Johnson. Let's go small so that they can get away with Cam Johnson as a five. Yeah. Like that just, that's not acceptable. The Bucks are not a good team when it comes to hunting mismatches. When you don't have to hunt it, when it's right there in front of you, you've got to take advantage.
2: One thing I want to get to in terms of actual size, I don't want this to get overlooked. This was, aside from getting dunked into oblivion, this was a great P.J. Tucker game. Mm-hmm. It was a really but
4: good My he- god, did he get dunked into oblivion? Yeah, he really did. <laughs> I really thought that was a charge. Live, I, I thought it was a charge. I,
2: I, I did live. Would too. have been a charge for Giannis.
4: I I think the other <laughs> yeah, angle that's a I think the other button. angle you could see he was still moving as Cam went up.
1: I think he might have just been yes, yeah. So he's slightly kind of gone under him, but it's super close. And a, I was is right. they're the kind of calls that, you know. 50-50 calls. I'll be curious to see how they go. It's it's actually just strange to see the 50-50 call go against the home team. Not complaining if it stays that way, you know, across the course of the series. And it was a phenomenal play and a great highlight. And it would have been, you know, not great if they'd just been like, no, actually, that's a charge. He was just there in time.
4: I thought it was good for basketball that it was a block. For sure.
2: Yes, no. Ban the charge. The charge sucks. I hate it. But... Yeah, great PJ Tucker game. I thought he did a great job finding seams within the Suns' defense, especially when they went zone, and just in general, like he was actually moving off ball and getting into lanes and getting dump off passes. Like that was a, that was a weird thing to see for PJ Tucker instead of just plopping his butt in the corner and like not doing anything else. It was it was good to see. I thought he had some nice plays. He actually hit a three. Like he made an impact, and I thought it shouldn't go overlooked.
4: I think we need to see that. Like, I hate it when he doesn't move. Like I know all the energy exerts on defense, et cetera, et cetera, but his minutes are a lot more controlled in this series because it's not a great defense. I mean, he's still playing strong defense, but he also had five fouls. So that kind of helps with that as well. Um, But it's nice to see him moving a little bit. And I do think, you know, making some twos can help him make threes as well. Like see the ball go in. I feel like it helps with the shooting. I mean, that's, if there's any lesson to learn from that O oh, for whatever Rockets spell, I think it's that maybe not every single shot should be a three because it's not always the most sustainable. But, yeah, I thought it was a P.J. Tucker's
1: three-point percentage in the finals, any guesses? This is obviously not on massive numbers, but just as Rowan said, he finally made a three. I was like, hmm, I feel
2: like he's been making quite a lot.
4: Sixty. Sixty.
2: Really? It feels yeah. like ten.
4: Was he three for five? Uh.
1: Yeah, that would be the numbers would check out on that.
4: <laughs> we'll take it. Um, that's the kind of thing where it sounds so great, and it's like three points a game on threes. Thanks, PJ. But again, you take it. You need every point you can get. Just
1: out of curiosity, because this is the kind of thing I haven't looked at yet. I don't know, have either of you looked like a individual uh, shooting percentages for these these finals yet. Yeah?
4: No, are they, where are they up, updated? NBA Um dot slash stats.
1: 47.1%, second highest percentage of none. I'm not counting Jordan Moore as one for one for this
2: game. <laughs> More <laughs> points not? in the finals than Mello.
1: <laughs> oh, 47.1%, um, second place book. Who do you think it is?
2: The Nasus.
4: No. It's threes, right? There's no way. Yeah, I'm talking is... threes. Oh, we're yeah.
2: talking threes? Oh. yeah. Uh, I don't
4: even think the Nasus. Is...
2: Pat Connorson.
4: Correct. Yeah, yeah, I can see. It was it A. It was another great game for the agenda today. It was a strong game for the agenda. 30, exactly 30, high-quality minutes from Pat Cotterton. So we're game.
2: returning. Well, was it the end
4: of PJ the fourth quarter number?
1: or the end of the third where ESPN the third. put up a shot of the banner and then they went oh. to the jersey numbers? I was like, this is for you, Ty.
4: <laughs> well, no, he hit the momentum capping three that – Oh, no, was it the end of the second quarter? But when there was – he, no, he made a big third.
1: play and – then it was. It went to commercial. On the way to commercial, they were they were showing the banners and the jersey numbers. I was like, "Oh yeah, he' have got an in at ESPN now." How has this <laughs> happen? The interesting thing when you look at the
2: yeah. The no, sorry, sorry Adam. Sorry Adam. Sorry. Uh, PJ Tucker. Uh, are we retiring his jersey? Because Pat Connison, same oh, three gosh. for five shooting. as PJ. Eight right. points compared to seven points. I'm just wondering if that's the criteria. No. So no PJ for one point. One point. Gets Not yet. Not yet. Sorry, Adam, continue.
1: My point is just going to be that like the books are up to 37.9% now from deep in the finals. I know that first game, which you lose while shooting the ball really well, helps that. But it is interesting to see just this kind of middle of the pack. Brooke, 36.4%. Chris, 36%. Drew, 353 Bobby 33.3, Bryn 33.3, Teague 33.3. Like everyone not named Giannis is doing okay too well with their three point shooting, and yet it doesn't feel like that.
4: Well, I think that's because the low attempt guys are doing the best right now. Like if you trade PJ's 60. That's
1: not a low attempt.
4: That's not a low attempt. but if you trade PJ's 60% for Chris's 36%, the series feels a lot different right now.
1: 36, though, isn't – like we're not a million miles off. No. You know, sure, it would be great if he's 45%, but we're just a shot here or there from being like, oh, yeah, he's shooting pretty well. Like 36 is better than I thought. Thirty-five by three, same place for Drew. The problem with both guys is what we were over multiple times in the last pod, which is just they're inconsistent. It's like, yeah, it's gonna grade it out as something that's pretty good, but it's could you just get somewhere in the middle every single time? That'd be
4: great. I'd like to make a prediction. Okay. I think we're gonna get a Bobby Porter shooting game in the finals. We haven't really gotten one in the playoffs at all. Not really. Maybe. Was it one against Atlanta? I thought most of his work was in the perimeter. Game five against Atlanta?
1: That was the game he had 19 points, right? I think there was a couple of threes in there.
4: For the postseason thus far, he is He was one for
1: five from three in game five. It was not game five
4: then. 31% from three this playoffs for Portis, which is below Tucker but above Drew Holiday still. Um, I I think he's legitimately a very good shooter now. I think it's a bit of a variance thing. And I think, especially if you're talking about how can he live on the road, if he's knocking down a lot of those threes and you know, he's going to get some good looks like that could be the way he survives. Cause I, I believe in him as a shooter, honestly, at this point, way more than Forbes, even though the percentages are similar. Um, I think we're going to get one sometime in these next three to four, four games does he believe in himself as a shooter right now I, there was one
1: I in particular so. in this Absolutely. game he Absolutely. was very he slow to pull the himself. trigger though very slow like and he didn't he ended up passing it up but I i've never seen him go through the motion slow so slow
2: release he, he this just... was even than
1: so unusual i was i was actually quite struck by it because i was like bobby you're not just gonna take that shot like it's like it's very on bobby portis to be like i'm wide open here this is my shot and to overthink it and overthink it and go slow and pass out. I was like, Hmm.
4: I feel like he is unfortunately the one guy who plays or at least thinks more like the way we want the whole team to, in terms of like he will pump fake or pretend to pull up a three pretty often and then drive and try to get to the rim, which is probably not a great process for him, but it's hard to get too upset because I do feel like we would like more of the bucks to play that way. Portis does that, I think, too much. I would like for him to shoot more. It's an interesting question, Adam.
2: I did say he was one for five in game five. I was wrong. He was one for three in game five. Against it's Atlanta. Not as bad. I Yeah, but I wanted to correct myself. I trying got it to make wrong. me look bad. I got it, I'm saying I got it wrong here. <laughs> I'm
1: glad
4: we've got it on the record. Yeah. I just want ah. to pull up. He's had two games with more than one made three. He's had zero games with more than one made three since the first round, Bobby Portis.
1: I'm now having, like, this is just basically for my amusement, your amusement, hopefully some listeners' amusement. Um, You know, individual offense rating, defense rating, net rating, very noisy stats. But who do you think is the book's net rating leader against the Phoenix Suns so far?
2: Bobby Portis.
4: No, it's probably...
2: Brooker Giannis.
4: Giannis would make sense. It might be Pat. It's Jeff Teague.
1: <laughs> the books are outscoring. The Phoenix Suns by 12.9 points per 100 possessions while Jeff Teague is on the floor. Do you, do
4: you know the very quick the and easy fans. answer for why? Phoenix's bench has been awful, and Teague yeah. only plays against Phoenix's bench. Tonight, like
1: Tonight was a really good example of that.
4: Campaign was supposed to be like this... This whole thing—I know he got hurt at one point and he hasn't been the same. But like those, the bench plus minus for the Suns has been terrible in every game. And it's really like, you know, I Bud is going to continue at least for I think the next like couple Abdonator's games. Abdul
2: getting minutes. This bench isn't good. I like it's not good. What? Ma- you know what? Williams you know what we right should talk about with
4: Bud in terms of playing these guys. Like that's it makes it a lot more playable and survivable Ty, for Bud. He-
1: he's actually worse because the starters just don't play minutes. Like if Bucks fans were, were supporting that team, there would be mutiny. There would have been mutiny quite some time ago because okay. They've had an easy ride and they haven't had to play starters, heavy minutes.
4: If you look at their minutes totals and even outside, even outside of Booker and Ayton, which I don't think there's a good case for not playing either. Can I address the fouls thing again? It's a stupid fallacy to not play your best players if they're in foul trouble in the okay. second half of a game. does not make any sense. The worst-case scenario is they foul out and they don't play, which is literally what happens if you bench them for extended stretches. Aiden comes back into the game. The Suns are down 20 in the fourth quarter. It's basically over. It's a fallacy. You're not helping your team by doing that. It's stupid. But even outside of that and whatever happened with Booker, Mikhail Bridges 27 minutes in this game? Meanwhile, campaign gets 25, and they lose them by 18. Tory Craig gets 15. Kaminsky gets nearly 14 minutes. Abdul Nader and there's some garbage time, but he I think played you real stop minutes. pointing this
1: out and let let Monty Williams be Monty Williams. This is all I'm gonna say.
4: It's like, listen,
1: I dare him to play Frank Kaminsky over 20 minutes. I dare. Him.
4: If it, if Let's they're gonna get some gonna, Jalen Smith minutes, if they're I, gonna go blow for blow like this, it's so good with the Bucks because we know they've won the honest minutes every game. If the bench minutes are a wash because both teams are trotting out like these guys, where everyone on NBA Twitter just goes, "How is X player in this game in the finals?" That works. That's a good formula. Win the hours minutes, punt the bench minutes.
1: I want Mike up in Game Four, ESPN. It's it's Monty staring into Frank the Tank's eyes. <laughs> it's like I know you're down. I know you're down. You know it's a tough. 18-0 run, the book's just gone on there in your <laughs> two minutes in the game. <laughs> but use your physicality, you know? Use your
4: physicality, and you'll be all right. He believes uh, in guys too much.
1: You know? I'm being being—I'm obviously being this generous. The 8 the moment was cool, and clearly brought such a good attitude. I love
2: Monty Williams. But so so do
1: I. He, really, guy. really good guy, guy, good coach. But he has his own issues, like every coach in the NBA does.
4: Like, when when
1: what about Jeff Van Gundy's moment, by the way? Oh,
2: Christ, which one?
4: The the
1: one where he really, yeah, it was
4: ridiculous. I, I,
1: there's a middle ground on that. There's
4: a middle ground. It's, I got, I got tweets in this game,
1: I got tweets in this game, two tweets, I think. Don't think there's more than that from people about Bud not making adjustments in these playoffs. Yeah, it's that's
4: they. I, I saw I replied this to a friend of the pod because we keep talking about him, Jackson Frank. Like people are mad at the wrong boot and holes or things. And the national narrative will never get it right because they don't care. But like that's not been the issue. For me, issue is always series, rotations and managing minutes. In previous years it was adjustments. This year it's rotations and managing minutes.
1: It's kind of always been rotations and managing minutes. It's, I don't do want to relitigate. I don't want to There are years where maybe both of those
4: things were yes. the problem. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. yes.
1: But the one that has always gone back to is Hawks' time as well managing minutes and when he chooses to play guys together. Maybe even a bigger problem than the minutes he plays guys is just the combinations he chooses. But so, that's that's still a problem.
4: So there was only one minute and 18 seconds of true garbage time. The indicator, Tyshawn Alexander minutes. So. Not as many as I thought. Sorry, Tyshawn Alexander. But, like,
2: Chris Paul – Sam Merrill minutes, to be fair. We didn't
4: have to do that. Uh, I'm being fair. Chris Paul, less than 34 minutes. Crowder, less than 33 minutes. Booker, 29. Like, okay. In a game where – what did Giannis log? 37, nearly 38 minutes. Okay. If Giannis is going to play more minutes than any of the best Suns players, that works for me. I'm if okay with that. the best player that. in
2: the series is playing more minutes uh, than anyone on the other team? If the best player in the
4: series is getting more minutes against bench players than the best players on the other team, it's probably a good equation.
2: The math checks out. I just ran it. It's interesting. Numbers li- never lie. I said that right, right? Yeah, yeah. But no, <laughs> I head, agree. I more, more
4: up. Kaminsky, more Abdul. We all believe in Abdul. Uh, Monty you're doing great.
2: Yep, <laughs> as usual. Um,
1: Abdul Nader. I have a story about Abdul Nader. I don't know if it's a good story. It's you know, it's not a good story. So the one and only time that I have been credentialed in person at an NBA game and NBA practices, Abdul Nader was on the Boston Celtics. Oh yeah. I can't remember. I'll have to check this. There was another guy who looked really... Oh, I know who it was. It was Shane Larkin. Shane Larkin, Abdel Nader. Pretty similar. Had identical haircuts at the time. And I was like, I could get an Abdel Nader quote. But what if it's actually Shane Larkin I end (laughs) up speaking to? So I just... I just left that one completely. I was like, Daniel Tice, I'll talk to you. (laughs) Uh, So that's my Abdul Nader. That's unfortunately not the most memorable. Hopefully he doesn't have like a Colossal Game 4 to burn himself into my memory forever now. But, yeah.
2: That was a great story. I did enjoy that.
1: Thanks, Ron. I appreciate the support.
2: (laughs) I think we'll... I don't think we're going to... If we see an Abdul Nader takeover game, I'll know that... This is just all a simulation.
4: That's the He key. has yet to score in this series, and he has four playoff points. So uh, given that he's playing against the Milwaukee Bucks, it's almost a certainty.
2: That's more than Dominique Wilkins. It's wild
4: the Bucks split the last two games with game two is the Mikhail Bridges game. Game three, they get Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder in the same game. Bucks 20 point win. Some interesting stuff happening in this series. Who would have thought the finals would be interesting?
2: I mean, like, did the Bucks or did the Suns, excuse me, waste the Jay Crowder game and the Cam Johnson game? We'll see. This is, is be the, the benefit to, to
4: never getting the Suns. game. The Bucks never make the shots. You can't waste the game. It never happens. Game
1: four is really interesting, guys. I'm. Give me a Bucks score win prediction. Game four. Oh, God. It's not that interesting. Uh, if the Bucks win game four convincingly, the, the momentum swing is a big deal at that point in the series. You know, it's a big, big deal. And it's also, I think, where the advantages of actually not having home court, as much as this series may prove that home court is more important than anything, not having home court in the finals, if you can get two game five tied, the kind of the one one, one switch is it's giving you some interesting opportunities if you've been down 2-0 and you come back, it's like, oh, okay Phoenix, you're back home, that's great, but if you lose this one you know, we've got a home closeout game to go four in a row and and wrap this thing up, like it's just it's a very different kind of pressure and it's also you know, you're at a point in the series where you don't even have to do anything wrong, if you have a bad start, shots aren't falling, you find yourself kind of deep in a hole that you're not going to get out of, that could be it, that could be your finals, so,
4: I can't even book, imagine the kind of the Giannis. Looks for a
1: mile away, and now, now they're kind of close. Sorry, Ty.
4: No, I thought I, my mistake. I can't even imagine the kind of Giannis game we get in game five if/slash when Milwaukee wins game four. I mean, but we use
2: a lot of it. Give me a score prediction, guys. Uh,
4: 119, 107.
2: Milwaukee? Yes. Okay. Adam?
1: I don't even know where to start with this. <laughs> What's um, a number? I think the books will win.
2: Okay. That's a solid start.
1: I'm going to go books 124,
4: Ooh. Sons 96. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Wow.
2: We're getting some spice kind of it here.
4: Kind of a blowout there. Yeah, I
2: kind of. It is a blowout. It's
4: it a pretty big blowout.
1: Yeah, and I honestly, based on what I saw tonight, I could see that repeating. I don't. It doesn't necessarily mean like that's how the series is from now on. In they can all go wrong too, though. The books, the books, of course, can all go wrong. It's the books, but. They do need to not just fall on some traps. Drew Holiday has to not rely purely on his jumper because chances are that won't be there like it was. Chris, one thing we didn't mention about Chris is Chris actually had some success. The couple of times he did drive, he finally got to the free throw line. Yeah. Do some more of that. Again, you've mentioned him being 6'8 in other contexts, basically. But he's got size against a lot of the guys he'll be driving against on the Suns too. Don't be afraid to do that particularly when they're just fouling on contests. Like they're just not doing a good job of contesting shots without fouling. So get driving and see how that goes. But if the books could just tidy it up and if they can, if Bud can be smarter, they've got another two days off. If they can be smarter with, you know, picking your spots, grouping players together in a way that's sensible where you've got protection, you're not kind of exposing all of your weak spots at once, yeah. I think the books could win in a really big way and be in the dream position going back
4: to Phoenix. The fascinating thing I'm gonna watch is how much does Devin Booker play in the next game? I don't like this. Type. This, this thing dangerous. interests me. The, hey, I, I'm not making this a thing. Devin the Booker's Suns. gonna
1: score 60 points now. Fine,
4: <laughs> let's see him do it in a way I, l- let's not let's I not think, I, I think I it's a fat I mean he scored 70 something a loss before so it might be just fine but Different I just stuff. I think it's you just center it you just make a weird conversation very possible when you just glue a guy like that to the bench in the midst of a bad game
1: I mean I'll be curious to see how the narrative kicks up like, yeah. because we all know if roles were reversed and that was not just Giannis, if that was Chris or Drew The noise around that. That's why I'm doing my part. Well, I I admire your own belief in your own power and influence. And Ty, I'm going to encourage you to press on with that and see just how far you could take this thing. I searched. I was like, you know, it'd be good for us to talk about Devin Booker. uh, There must be some quotes. Monty Williams must have been asked about it. So I was like, search Devin Booker on Twitter, expecting the first thing to show up. Must be that. Nope, nothing there. So, Ty, the world needs you. The world needs you to pick up this cause and draw attention to it.
2: That's true. That's true, Ty. You're leading the campaign here. Uh, just as a trickling post game quote, I think this is just inspirational. Bobby Portis saying he came to Milwaukee so he can be the best Bobby Portis he can be. That's just oh. inspirational right there.
4: That's awesome. It's adorable. Love you,
2: Bobby. Love you, Bobby. <laughs>
4: hey, Rohan, you're making a score prediction. You're not getting out of Oh, no, this. I was
2: going to. I okay. have it. It's 113-103 it's Milwaukee. Okay. And they're go- Milwaukee's going to do that. We're going 6 of 28 from 3.
4: I feel like that was implied in all of our answers based <laughs> on what we've seen thus far.
1: I'd rather implied than just coming out and saying it. though. <laughs>
2: hey, they're going to get a win. It's going to be a grind-out win, and that's what this Milwaukee team is. They claim to be dogs. They've shown it in the past. They showed it this game. They can be dogs. And you know what? This is a series. This is absolutely a series again. It's not over. It's not a 3 0 deficit. And I think that's a great place to wrap up this post game episode here on the Eurostep Podcast Network. If you did enjoy the show, make sure you leave a five star rating on Apple. Ty Windish, do you have a five star <laughs> rating for us to read off?
4: I do, I do. Oh. We got a we got a lengthy one. We got a good one. There's a couple new ones now. We're 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 fueled for a little bit. We need more, as Rohan said. Apple Podcast five star review uh, from B Koto ninety seven. He says bucks in six, no spaces exclamation <clears throat> point. Boys, first off, I must say I love the podcast, especially throughout this postseason run. My only regret is I didn't listen to you guys earlier, actually subscribed during the Net series. many people did thank you, welcome uh, and it has been part of my morning routine ever since. Ty, your work is impeccable, and I appreciate all the time you spend working and analyzing this team. You've been my Buck's Twitter account. Go follow since day one. Rohan, you're the diamond in the rough on this podcast. Frankly, I didn't know you existed until I started listening. <laughs> But after listening, once your humor and character I'm laughing knowing
1: what's coming. I've read ahead. I know what's going. (laughs) And I'm still laughing at that line. I feel like I've got off lightly.
4: Immediately got my respect and earned the follow on Twitter. I enjoy your sarcastic comment from time to time. And your facial expressions on video always make great memes when Ty got something outlandish to say. Adam McGee, my man, I love your goofy accent. And we need to get you to Milwaukee for a game soon succinct jordan keep up the work man your analysis and knowledge of the game is always something i look forward to and learn something from lastly thank you guys for all your work to produce daily content for us listeners to enjoy y'all are amazing bucks in six let's go bucks
2: that's amazing that's an incredible review and that's honestly incredible uh i wish I, i wish we had a synonym instead
4: of goofy i feel like goofy is kind of negative no, it's, it's just like I know, do too but this I'll stands second the second, the second
1: part uh, we need to get you to Milwaukee for yeah, game yeah. soon. I'm going to choose to focus on yeah. that part of it Um and also the part where uh, B, B Codo 97 had never heard of Rohan before listening to the podcast <laughs> hey they're, you know what the I'll take that as a compliment
2: I will take that as a compliment because they didn't know I existed listen to the podcast they're like oh this guy's awesome <laughs> Like, that's, that's a good, that's a compliment. I, I love that. the I very brutally much honest
4: that. reviews. Like, no, I'm it's not great. kidding. Like, I feel like I learned so much. I don't yeah, know. I'm what... suspicious, though,
1: Ty, of Ty, your work is impeccable. And I appreciate all the time you spent working and
4: analyzing this team. Do we know this isn't you? No. Uh, no comment. No we comment. We don't
2: know it's not you?
4: <laughs> exactly. No comment.
1: We need to but do some no, digging, Ron. We need to start no. verifying these reviews <laughs> independently. Yeah. You
2: know? No, that is that is a great review. Shout out for leaving that review. Thank you it's for inc- leaving the review. Yes. That is incredible. Uh, all jokes aside, we really do appreciate uh, the support. It's incredible to see. It makes it makes us feel better. It makes us feel better op- about producing this content so we can deliver the best content possible here on the Eurostep Podcast Network. Make sure you are subscribed on your podcast platform of choice, Adam. What do you have to say?
1: I'm just telling you not to forget YouTube again.
2: I was, I was going to. Adam's I was just big making YouTube sure. Guy. I, I'm Adam, the guy. You I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember this
1: because no on one else. Is I, I start the episodes because I'll forget it otherwise. I'm like, people need to know we're on YouTube.
2: Yes, we are on YouTube. Uh, Eurostep Podcast Network on YouTube. That's where we're doing our pregame shows live, uh, usually around half an hour before the scheduled game time. And uh, we've been do- we've been doing those for the last uh, three games of the series now, and it's been fantastic. Uh, it's just uh, it's been it's been an incredible ride, and we hope to bring more content to you on the YouTube channel once again. That's Eurostep Podcast Network on YouTube. Um, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, make sure you leave a five star review on Apple, and make sure you're subscribed on both YouTube and your podcast platform of choice. Check out all of the content across the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Go Bucks, everyone! And we will talk to you next time.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.